Hello and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nike Anani and I am your host. Here on The Connected Generation, we explore all things legacy wealth and legacy businesses, how to build businesses and wealth that have sustained impact not only over time, but also over space. And The Connected Generation is a safe space. We explore all these things with pure curiosity, authenticity and vulnerability, inviting guests from all over the world to share their journeys and share their expertise. And yeah, we have a lot of fun here. And this week I was joined by Megan Lynch. Megan is founder and CEO of Six Point Creative, which is a brand strategy agency that helps companies break through growth plateaus. So Megan was actually here on The Connected Generation a while back, about a year ago, episode 62, which she shared on how to break through growth plateaus, how to challenge the Goliaths in one's industry as a family business. And it was a really fascinating episode. And so Megan came back this week to share on five things she learned from women-owned businesses based on a study that she did. And it was a really fascinating conversation where she shared on storytelling, how women um, that she surveyed um, really looked from how to pivot into the future, how to create opportunities for others in the business to grow, how to be a force for good, how to compete with large international conglomerates as family businesses, how to really draw on resilience and how to foster lifelong learning. And definitely encourage you to tune in, um, share the love, share this episode with someone that you think would really benefit from listening to it and enjoy. Thank you so much. Hi, Megan. Welcome back to The Connected Generation. It's awesome to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back. Yes. Can you, I know that you're a president CEO of a brand development agency and you're really passionate about helping family businesses with their brands. Can you, for the sake of those that haven't heard the first episode you were on, just give us a run through of your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, yeah, I started Six Point Creative, which is our agency, about 12 years ago. Um, at the time, we were not specifically focused on family businesses. It wasn't until I, I started the business with two partners, and they were sort of what I consider kind of like the first generation of the business. Um, I was working with them when I was 28. They kind of brought me along um, when they started the business and 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 um, had me be a partner with them, but I still kind of looked to them as mentors driving the business. And it wasn't until they started talking about retirement and I started envisioning the business as, oh, okay, this is going to be my business and me, and I'm going to be leading it. You know, what do I want it to be? I actually joined a family business center where, um, I was in a peer group with a lot of other family business CEOs, mm. and I realized not only did we have really similar challenges, and it was the first place that I really felt like I could speak openly and vulnerably about the challenges of running a business with them, but um, but I also just realized that I I love the concept of family businesses and families looking to better their communities and create wealth for their families and, and really, um, you know, give back. It wasn't just about business. It was about kind of what else can we do with this and, and how do we have an impact and a legacy on the world? 
Mm, awesome, awesome. And you recently wrote this article about five things you learned from women-led, women-owned family businesses. What prompted you to delve into that? Yeah, so it was really, I was thinking about Women's History Month. And so it was beginning of, of March and I was trying to think of something fun that I could do with it. And one of my favorite things to do is to just hear the stories of family businesses. They always just amaze mm. me of like how people get into the businesses and how they grow over the years. And so I thought, oh, wouldn't it be fun to do um, a series focused specifically on women-owned or women-led family businesses. And so I reached out to some that were either clients or um, or other uh, women leaders that I know and looked up to and, and thought I would just kind of interview them and see what happened. Awesome. So it was just this organic kind of conversation. It wasn't like a survey that you did. No, no, it was just kind of, it was individual interviews, um, just mostly trying to listen to people's stories and find out exactly, you know, how they evolved as leaders. And, and I think for a lot of women, I kind of had this, this sense, at least like the family businesses run by women that I know, many of them don't plan on coming into the business. Like it wasn't, mm. they weren't kind of brought up thinking that that was something that they could do or wasn't something that they grew up wanting to do. And so I thought it could kind of lead to some interesting stories about how they end up there and, and how they kind of found their voices as leaders. Interesting. And what were the commonalities that you found um, across these five ladies? Yeah, so I know the first one was really that a lot of them struggled, but had managed to find a balance between the the past of the company and kind of how the company mm. was developed and what maybe earlier generation leaders did and the future. So what mm. what they needed to do to stay competitive, what they needed to do to keep the business relevant. And they all, to some degree had had to have specific conversations and specific struggles around what do we keep, you know, what out of our past is valuable to us versus mm. what do we need to change in order to stay relevant and to stay competitive? That is um, the <laughs> major tensions that a lot of business owners are facing and even thinking through um, past future in terms of gender relations in the family enterprise in itself. Um, I would assume that for a lot of these women in the past, there were not necessarily as many women involved from the family in the enterprise. And now they're looking to the future and they're paving a path forward. Does that resonate? Exactly. Yeah. So it's, so some of it was business concerns, you know, like for example, one of the companies that I spoke to, they've always had a catalog business. That was how it started. So it was printed catalogs mailed to people where they mail ordered. Um, in this case, it was pecans, uh, nuts and chocolates and, um, and food items. And so, you know, a big tension was, you know, well, now with everything being e-commerce, is the catalog still relevant? And so they had to kind of struggle mm. with how much of our business is going to be digital and e-commerce versus how much is going to be part of this older model. And they found that there's actually still a real need for that physical printed item. For others, it was more about how do I find 
a voice in the company that had traditionally been run, let's say, by my father or my mm-hmm. grandfather. And what does this company look like when it's run by a woman? And how does that that voice change? You know, what needs to stay the same within the company? Um, and what do I make my own? And what is a positive evolution of that voice and that brand? So. Yeah, some really different kinds of struggles, but to me, they all kind of came back to this common theme of like past versus pivot, you know, how much do we keep versus Mm. how much do we change? That's really interesting. And were um, all these ladies CEOs, presidents, executives of their family businesses, or were they, were some just owners? Um, They all have an active role in the business. Yeah, Mm. Not, not just owning it, but also leading it in some active way. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. What was number two that you learned? Um, For all of them that I spoke to, they really found fulfillment in creating opportunities for other people within the business. Mm. Um, While they each kind of had a really deep expertise and a wisdom about the business itself and maybe about the operations of the company or about the brand and the marketing where they when they got the most proud about the business like i would ask them about you know what has been your proudest moment they would almost always talk about oh we've had employees who have been working here you know for decades or you know their their children now work here mm-hmm. or they'll talk about oh you know I'm now so proud that my children are in the business and that we've been able to create something thriving for them. And it was very rarely about any, I don't think any of them ever talked about a personal accomplishment of their own. It was always about how do I create opportunities for other people to grow. And I think particularly for, for a family business to be successful, I think that that's something that is a really important component that if it's if it's all about you as the leader or as the owner or as the family, then there's only so much that that business can grow and scale that mm-hmm. it really for in order to be successful, you really need to start to take pride in the accomplishments of other people and see their success as your success. And yeah. so I think particularly for these women who have had success, I could really hear that as being a really common element that they all shared. Mm, that's a really good point. Um, moving from the me to we, um, really ensuring that creating an environment where we're not just focusing on the family winning, but also the key stakeholders, the employees also growing and developing and winning. That's really cool. Um, what else did you learn from your conversations with these ladies? And what industries, what industries were the businesses in? You mentioned mail um, order, e-commerce. Yeah, they were all food related. Um, I, I kind of, I picked food as kind of like a, um, an industry to be in mostly because we do a lot of work in that industry. So I have a lot of connections there. And mm-hmm. also because I just find um, the people related to food are just very like passionate and excited <laughs> about mm-hmm. what they do. So uh, they're always just fun to, to talk with. But, um, but I think specifically around that all again, it's, and it's sort of a similar to that, like me to we, but in this case, it was a much more global sense of they all really mm. cared about their industry and really wanted to be a force for good in the industry itself. So 
it's not that that they're just thinking about their employees and their company, but that they're also starting to think about the impact that they can have more broadly, you know, in Mm. this case about, you know, let's say how food is consumed, how it's created, you know, how do we do it in a more sustainable way? How do we do it in a way that, you know, changes the industry and creates more opportunity for women? Um, How do we do it in a way that gives Mm. back, um, to other people who want to enter the industry. And I was just, um, just really impressed with how, how big they were thinking, you know, that it wasn't just about, you know, how do I make this company sustainable, but how do I make the industry sustainable? And I think, again, when you have that sort of vision, um, you know, I think, people tend to think about disruptors as being, you know, startups, um, mm. you know, these kind of like incubated startup companies. And for me, it was so refreshing and and kind of reassuring to hear family businesses as seeing themselves as having a really important role in the industry. Because at once, at one point, these businesses were the startups and the disruptors. And so to hear them maintain that mindset and maintain the sense of leadership within the industry and to couple that with their longevity and the years of experience that they can bring um, to me is a really exciting combination. Mm, mm, Really, really exciting. I love the piece on um, taking a role within the wider industry as opposed to just not just in the community. So does that speak to like ecosystem building or definitely? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for some of them, it was about, you know, thinking through, you know, how do we collaborate with different suppliers? How do we change the way, you know, the industry is thinking about, you know, the craft and the process and the sustainability of what we do. And for some of them, it was about, you know, let's say um, I talked to a couple of people in the cheese industry and that's Mm -hmm. an industry that um, the women in that industry are very vocal leaders. And they're also very generous in terms of sharing knowledge with kind of like the younger generation. And so, um, so in particularly, one woman, uh, Jessica Little, that I spoke to, she talked about how when they were first starting out, it was so important for her to be able to get wisdom from some of these women who had been in the industry for a long time and how much it mm-hmm. meant to her to be able to call them up and get feedback on what they were doing. And also, um, you know, that she was also thinking about you know, it made her proud to now kind of be an emerging leader in that industry and be able to pay it forward and be able to do the same for other emerging cheesemakers um, in the industry. So, mm. so again, this kind of very, you know, community building communal look at an industry, um, you know, especially a lot of industries are like that, where they're just very um, once you get into them very small and tight and you kind of know everybody who's in yeah. it, you know, they all go to the same events. They're all, you know, trying to do similar things. Um, so to not see each other as competitors, but to see each other as kind of part of something bigger. Uh, I think that it's just, um, it was a great outlook to hear. And, mm. and I think the other exciting piece of that is that a lot of these companies are really trying to compete with, large international conglomerates. And so 
this idea that they could help to shape and be a force for innovation within their their industries beyond simply just like product development within their company really allows them to stay meaningful to consumers and to be challenger brands within the industry um, Mm -hmm. and kind of like punch above their weight um, in their industry. So I think it's, it's a really important mindset to keep as, you know, as smaller businesses kind of get swallowed up by these huge international conglomerates uh, that if you're going to stay Mm -hmm. independent, that a big piece of that does mean, staying active in your industry and having a voice in in how it shapes. It's a really, really good point that you're bringing up, um, the shift from a competitive mindset to a collaborative mindset and the fact that um, the industry players are waking up and seeing that the international conglomerates are really the bigger threat to um, their existence and coming together. And would you say that this, collaborative mindset is prominent amongst just women or is it just like a generational shift where we're because I do see a lot more of like collaboration over competition collaboration over competition like everywhere you go is that is this the generation we're in is it because women are coming to the fore what are your thoughts on that yeah, I mean, it's it's a good question. I definitely do think that overall, as a generation, we're kind of more open to that sort of collaboration. At the same time, I do think that women are very natural collaborators. And so I do think that having more women in leadership roles helps to foster that sense and, and starts to have it be seen as a competitive advantage. I know, you know, again, talking to some of them, they they often had women mentors in their industry or in their business. So it was not necessarily that it's new mm. to them generationally. It's really, you know, more about, you know, how do we how do we work together to to make room for each other and, you know, and thinking about, you know, what did I need and value when I was here? And then how do I kind of keep that going? So um So I do think that overall, you know, we're moving in a positive direction from a collaboration standpoint, but I do think that the voice of women and women's willingness to take care of people, to kind of put their own needs to the side and kind of see, you know, how those can get met when you're helping other people, I think, um, you know, goes a long way to make that happen. Mm, For sure. For sure. Amazing. And so covered three, what was number four? Um, So number four was really this theme of resilience and how much it was valued by these women. Anytime I asked them about, you know, who are your role models? What were important points in the company history or your own Mm. life that made an impact? they almost always brought it back to some story that was around having some major problem roadblock and how they overcame that roadblock. So, you know, for example, I talked to um, one woman who, you know, when I was asking her about um, important life moments, she brought it all the way back to college where she had always been, Um, She loves sports, but um, she was from Southern California and she went to school on the East Coast where hockey is a big thing, ice hockey. And she Mm -hmm. had never been on ice, never been on skates. And she went out for the varsity hockey team uh, just because she loved the team atmosphere. And 
Um, and she would just kind of like spin around on the ice and couldn't really skate, but she kept with it for four years. And by the end of it, um, she was a great skater and she was able to be on a, you know, a college varsity team for four years. Mm-hmm. And when she looked back on that experience in university, she just thought, well, you know, anytime now she comes up against something difficult in her life, she's like, you know, she reminds herself, well, you didn't even know how to skate. <laughs> Mm. And you did that. You learned how to skate so you could do this. Um, whereas, you know, others talked about, you know, failures in the business that they had overcome. Um, you know, one of them um, who they were um, immigrants to the U.S. from India and mm. uh, Shoba had started her snack business. She had always kind of made snacks for um the community and people would buy them from her, but, you know, on a very small scale, but then her husband lost her job. And so she started a snack business as a way to support her family where they started um, manufacturing them in more quantity and selling them more broadly. And so, um, yeah, just story after story of creativity and success Mm. coming out of adversity. And, um, and when they talked about their role models, they would always talk about the the strength of the people who they looked Mm. up to. Um, It was never about, you know, how things were easy for them, but how they overcame adversity. And I think just that headset is so important when you're running a business because it's not easy and there's no, you know, simple path. You're always going to come up against adversity, you know, just as you think things are going well, something's going to change in the market, COVID, you know, there's going to be a global pandemic, you know, something's (laughs) going to come that's going to make your life more difficult. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think the fact that all of these women really, really valued resilience and wanted to foster that in their own children and their employees and in themselves, I think really marked them as, as successful leaders. Mm, mm, Powerful, powerful. And what was the last one? Um, The fifth one is a little bit related to that, um, that all of the women were really lifelong learners, that they all Mm. just maintain this, this really strong curiosity um, and that many of them came into the business um, not with any background in what they were doing. Um, so none of them were groomed for a leadership role in the family business. Um, some of them never had really any female role models in business period to look up to. One of them, Stephanie Stuckey, whose uh, father started started a business that was a bunch of like um, roadside restaurants when um, that business, they sold the business and it started, they really kind of lost control of the brand and she was looking to, to bring back the brand and, and kind of buy it and revive it. And when he heard that that was what she was going to do, he said, but you've never even run a lemonade stand. What makes you think (laughs) you can run this company? And you know, and hearing that and saying, you know, that's true. I've never done that, but I've learned a lot of things and I can learn this too, you know, that they really um, see leading a business as an opportunity to continue to learn and to continue to grow. Um, I think it kind of, you know, it's related to that resilience, but it's also a little bit different, you know, where they, they, they want to learn, um, they want to be challenged and they want to continue to evolve and you know bring new things into the business that I think really allows them 
to continue to be successful to, mm. you know, you know, I think it kind of wraps all of those other ones up. I'm such a big believer in curiosity as a, a core strength that people need. And mm. I think that curiosity allows you to be collaborative. It allows you to have an impact on your industry. It allows you to innovate. Um, it allows you to find that, that point between, you know, the past and the pivot, you know, what do we need to do differently? What do we need to do that that's the same? And, um, and I think for all of them, they really bring that curiosity to the table and, um, and really thrive with that mentality. Amazing. I, you know what, this is just such a breath of fresh air because typically when we look at gender kind of relations in the family enterprise space or even in business, it will usually focus on the challenges women face, the challenges, you know, work-life balance or imposter syndrome or tasks or but this was just like really positive and full of just really empowering as well um and full of possibility I do wonder whether any of the ladies did share any challenges that they faced um particularly as women because you did talk about resilience overcoming challenges and setbacks but um did they face any challenges yeah I mean I don't think any of them specifically brought it back to like a gender related, you know, issue, you know, I think, well, a couple of, you know, like I, I told the story of Stephanie and her father kind of doubting that she even had the ability to run a business. And mm. I know um, Shoba who has the snack company um, in India, it's a very male dominated culture. She never had any women role models. You know, she said it was one of the things that she really, regretted mm. that she didn't have any women to look up to in business and that she was kind of looking to change that cycle. But I think for a lot of them, they really saw themselves as business leaders first and women second. Um, yeah. And, and I think we're, you know, really looking to kind of break some of those cycles and really be a source of positive change, you know, in their business and in their industry and in their family and um, and I think all of them have experienced serious setbacks in the business, but again, really kind of draw on that resilience to mm. keep going and to not see it as um, as anything kind of like related to being a woman in a particular. Woman in particular, um, mm. yeah. And I think I think all of them too, you know, did speak to you know, especially the ones with children, you know, really spoke to wanting to be seen as, you know, a great mom first, you know, that that was really critical to them to kind of set that, that example for their children, but mm -hmm. also to have their children see them as more than just a mom, but also being able to do all of these other difficult things, um, you know, again, whether their children are male or female, just really setting that example of, um, you know, we can do hard things and mm -hmm. it's not going to be easy, but we want to have you see us persevere so that their children kind of take on that same, um, same resilience mindset. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Um, did philanthropy come up as, at all? Um, some of them talked a bit about, you know, wanting to make sure that, you know, as they thought about, you know, the legacy of the company and, and how they wanted to give back. Um, some of them did bring up, you know, wanting to be able to, to give to causes to make a difference in 
in things that were important to them. But for a lot of them, it was much more about that that kind of like softer legacy, you know, that example yeah. of making good decisions and um, yeah. and really being a collaborator, being a leader, as opposed to specifically, you know, when we when we talked about legacy, it wasn't a lot of like, I want to, you know, give dollars to this or, you know, make a physical mark anywhere. It was really more about like, what do I want people to say about me if they knew me? And I want to be known for, you know, mm. love, for connection, for, <laughs> for mm. resilience, for doing difficult things. Um and and I thought that that was refreshing as well. I think when I when I was asking questions about legacy, I think I was expecting more talk about philanthropy and how the company might live on or they might live on or you know have that um, that more tangible legacy. And mm-hmm. for these women, it was how do I set an example? That's incredible. And actually linked to my next question, which was. Um having like you know these five lessons that you've learned from women-owned businesses and as a brand strategist and thinking through as business owners like being conscious of storytelling and cultivating and curating our brands um what should we be mindful of yeah i think i think that's such a great question because i think for a lot of them they really found strength in not shying away from talking about some of the difficult things in their business or in their family. And I think that from a brand perspective, it helps make the brand and the company story a lot more interesting, engaging, relatable. You know, I think sometimes when we hear about, you know, these family businesses that have, you know, had great success for, you know, five, six generations, we think, oh, you know, they're so lucky. You know, I know, um, Stephanie Stuffke, who I talked to, she said that, um, she was, she was referred, she was interviewed for a newspaper and they referred to her as an heiress, um, the Stuckey's heiress. And she's like, mm-hmm. well, there was no money in this brand. She's like, I gave my entire, you know, everything I had saved my entire life savings to buy back this brand to try to revive it. You know, there's no, <laughs> It's not a glamorous job. Um, mm-hmm. And she's been really vocal about the challenges of getting funding and um, and has kind of made that part of her story, this kind of like comeback story. And I think people really relate to that. You know, you see people really, you know, on social media, really rooting for her, trying to help her, trying to, you know, be a part of this company that maybe meant something to them as part of their childhood um, or meant something to them as part of the community that they live in. And so I think sometimes as, as business owners or when we're curating brands, we try to think about, you know, how do we make ourselves look the best, you know, in the best light and how do we cover up the things that we're not so proud of. And Mm. I think all of these women really showed that, there's value, maybe more value in that authenticity and that struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes the story and the brand so much more relatable and you get people in your corner. And I think for um, for a lot of these businesses, that's been really critical to them. Mm-hmm. Powerful, powerful. Do you have any other comments or any anything that you want to share from your conversations with these ladies? 
Yeah, I mean, I think just overall, it was um, it was so interesting. You know, one of the things that that I really loved about talking to them was their openness about some of those struggles, and then also just the um, how they just came alive when they were talking about kind of the origins of the company and their pride in the history of the business. And um, I think that all of them were a little bit surprised that they were being asked these questions and kind of interviewed for this. And I think, you know, as women business owners and business leaders, it becomes really critical to, you know, practice telling those stories and making mm. sure that you're comfortable owning them and um, mm. and learning how to tell both the historical company story, but also how to tell your story as part of that company's future. And um, mm. I think for, for women leaders of family businesses listening to this, I feel like that would be kind of my big takeaway would be to, you know, have somebody interview you about your story and your family's story, because I think some of them were surprised when they saw their own story kind of brought back to them. They were like, oh, wow, like this is, this is great. This is something, but maybe they wouldn't have been able to put that um, together in their own words. So I think, um, I think storytelling is a really powerful thing. And I think, you know, being, willing to own your story and being comfortable with that, I think, I think is really important. And seeing yourself as a hero in your own story is important. Wow. That's a powerful, powerful ending. Thank you so much, Megan. That's really, really, Um, if anyone wants to reach out to you and learn more about you and your work, how best can they reach you? Sure. Um, my our website is sixpointcreative.com. That's S-I-X-P-O-I-N-T creative.com. Um, my email address is mlynch at sixpointcreative.com. I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn if people want to connect with me there. Um, try to share a lot of you know stories like this, you know, all of the original um individual stories as well as the story about some of the themes that I heard and and kind of takeaways from that um, I share on LinkedIn as well as our company blog so we'd love to connect and keep in touch awesome thank you so much Megan thank you I love 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 that conversation with Megan and for me my favorite piece was when she shared on the importance of leading with authenticity and becoming really comfortable in telling your story. And I find that quite often when we think about this concept of storytelling and family enterprises, it's usually quite backward looking. So looking towards the origins of a business and looking towards the protagonist, which is typically the founder of the business and looking to pivotal nodal moments in their history. But what I loved about what Megan was talking about was really she was really pointing more towards the future. And I think there's a power in not only owning your story, there's a power in also telling your story once you've owned it. But there's also a power and agency that comes with crafting your story. And in crafting your story, you're really looking more towards the future. You're really looking towards 
empowering yourself with narratives that will enable you to move towards where you want to be in the future. And it really reminds me of this great quote that I love, love, love by Jomo Kenyatta. I'm pretty sure I've probably shared this on the podcast before. And it is, Jomo Kenyatta says, our children may learn about the heroes of the past, but our task is to make ourselves the architects of the future. I love, love, love that because it really is about empowering ourselves to be our own architects, to take mastery, take agency and autonomy over our lives and start to design and build life that we want to live. Not just focused on the hero of the past. And there's nothing wrong with being focused on the hero of the past. But um, I think if it's a single story of that, it's disempowering to everyone else. And so need to think about how can we empower ourselves with the mindset and skills to be architects of the future, to be creators, designers, and visionaries. So thank you so much for tuning in. I'd love if you could leave a review on Apple or Google Play, Spotify. It really helps with ensuring that the podcast can be shared um, and be um, more accessible. So the way this whole thing works is like it's by algorithm. So um, podcasts aren't easily found. So I'd love, love, love if you could leave a review. And if you could share this episode with someone that you know, it would be a blessing towards so we can continue to share the love with more and more people and touch more people. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take good care and God bless you.